Hey, it's Marisa, and you're listening to Heard That with Marisa Tigney Podcast. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney Podcast is sponsored in part by Holy Grail Clothing Company, an American lifestyle brand presented by the Regal Brand Incorporated. Discover high-quality handcrafted essentials from their collections for men, women, and children. Podcast subscribers can take 15% off their entire purchase with discount code HEARDTHAT15. That's H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5 when they shop the virtual retail store at HolyGrailClothingCompany.com. That's HolyGrailClothingCO.com. Holy Grail Clothing Company, wear your crown. I absolutely love doing volunteer service. I have met the most amazing people and some extraordinary kids as well. The cool thing that kids will always ask for when I am volunteering is books, if we have books available for them to take home because their passion and love for reading. There's an amazing author out there by the name of Trevor Romaine who has such cool books for kids that are fun and awesome with simple stories that kids can relate to and parents as well. The Trevor Romaine Company has a diverse collection of social and emotional learning resources to help children and their families become healthier, happier, and more confident. All heard that, listeners. If you go on trevorromaine.com today, you get an exclusive 15% off your complete order by using the code HEARDTHAT, H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T-1-5, at trevorromaine.com. Trevor Romaine, no E at the end of Romaine. Dot com today. What's up, Heard That Nation listening in the United States and around the world? This is the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast, and I am so honored to have these sheroes, to have these warriors, to have these amazing ladies from Canada on here today. Uh, they are nurses, registered nurses, and when I, I talked to them before we got on, the show today about how many people were even were so excited to have them on. I'm like, you don't even know them, but I, you know what? You may not like them at the end of this show because I'm gonna make sure that they go there uh, with some certain things that we're gonna talk about today. So they have an amazing podcast, which is uh, the Gritty Nurses Podcast, and please check them out. Uh, at the end of the show, they I will have them uh, talk about the social um platforms that they're on so definitely link up with them because what we're going to talk about today uh they i want them to just bring it all to the table uh amy and sarah are the uh amazing podcast hosts of the gritty nurses podcast they're experienced nurses former co-workers and friends together they tackle hot topics related to nursing and healthcare with grit and they do they bring the fire not fire the fire they have a combined of 20 plus years as nurses and both have a bachelor's and master's degree in nursing. Beyond thrilled to have you both on here. Amy and Sarah, welcome to the Heard That Podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. And yes, of course, you know us. We're going to bring that fire. We're going to bring that grit. We're going to bring the truth because that's what we're about. We're about bringing evidence-based practice. Mm -hmm. like, like you said, maybe some people might not like us, but they're going to respect us because at the end of the day, it's about having conversations and empowering conversations. Mm -hmm. And you may disagree, but at least you've heard what we've had to say. I agree. We are so pumped to be here today. And I think what we can bring is just that experience, um, you know, 
front firsthand and also through uh, stories that we've heard from other people about the pandemic and any sort of questions you might have related to nursing and healthcare. I, I, I am so beyond excited and I, and I definitely want to jump right in, but I want uh, the listeners to know a little bit about you. So Sarah, if you want to start, just give a little bit about your background, what got you uh, interested into nursing and the years of experience that you have. Okay, so uh, I've been a nurse for over 10 years now, since 2007. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked in many different areas. I've been a bedside nurse. I've been an educator. I've been an advanced practice nurse. I work as a professional practice uh, specialist, which is just a fancy word for quality improvement and project management. Um, I really got into nursing because my mom was a nurse. She was a nurse um, in the 70s. And um, she kind of, long story short, she didn't work as a nurse for long. Um, but she really enjoyed a lot of the things she learned. And she actually told me not to get into nursing. So I got into nursing. And <laughs> I've never regretted. Thanks for the advice, mom. <laughs> no. And now she says to me, look at all the opportunities that have opened up because nursing as a profession has really changed over the decades. And I think that's really important for people to know is that there's a stereotype of what a nurse is. And we are here to educate people on all the things you can do as a nurse, um, break boundaries and um, just you know let people know that we're not just one thing and there's many different things that we do and one of them is you know being in the media doing podcasting and also just um, advocating for nurses that's good uh, and what about you amy so again uh like you said i'm a nurse and registered nurse also i have my master's degree i did a collaborative program so it's kind of like a dual master's i have my master's in clinical nursing as well as my master's in women's health um, I, I did do a little bit of a, a study focus on transgendered medicine while I was at the University of Toronto. So women's health is really important to me. Um, I'm also a mom of twin boys. Woo, it's all, it's all. Shout it's, out to you. <laughs> it's fire here. Twin boys that are uh, nine years old and a daughter that's five. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my work surrounds advocacy. So advocating for nurses as a profession advocating for us to have more voice and agency. I think a lot of people, like Sarah said, has, has a misconception of what nurses can do and what nurses are able to do. So we wanna really bring that conversation forward and to enlighten other people. And then a lot of, uh, a lot of other, of, a lot of other work surrounds advocacy and activism. So nurses should be political. There's not as many nurses that are political as we'd like. And we'd like to see more nurses in politics and understanding what it looks like. Um, we're also social justice. So Black Lives Matter, understanding um, the socioeconomic status and how marginalized people um, are affected by health because we really want to talk about health equity and making sure that when people receive care, they're receiving it the same way that, you know, someone who makes a multi who's a multimillionaire will receive care. Mm -hmm. um, we're also about women's rights. So understanding what it is to be a woman in, in this space, in this area, to understand how we can mobilize ourselves using our voice and, and, and passion, and also um, really breaking down barriers in terms of, and glass ceilings, and really um, talking openly about sexual harassment and bullying in the workplace. So mm -hmm. a lot of different things there, but uh, we're kind of a jack of all trades and we really bring our, um, our nursing lens and our evidence-based practice to the forefront as well. I like that you both bring that to your podcast, that it is not just, a, a, I don't want to say a typical nurses, you know, this is the steps on how to stay healthy. This is the steps that you need to do, you know, drink more water. This, there's, I mean, you all bring real, you, you get to the real, real 
if that makes yeah. sense. Like mm -hmm. the topics that you all talk about needs, to, I believe needs to be talked about often, not just when we hear in the news and see, you know, on a social media po post, but the, the stuff that you just talked about, Amy, uh, about uh, gender equality, about, uh, you know, medicine, about women's health. Um, and what I was really looking forward to with both of y'all in there and both of y'all on this, on this podcast today is that I talked to people and, and let them know that you both were going to be on here. And the big thing that was the topic of conversation, whether it been positive or negative, is this pandemic. Um, yeah. We have been knee deep in it pretty much uh, since maybe February, March uh, of last year. I don't know how it is uh, where you all lived, you know, when you saw the spike and the level increasement. This was here in the United States, saw the numbers go up in March. And you would think 10 months from this spike that people would get it, get it going into the new year. Um, I, I did mention at the top of the show that I was gonna go there a little bit about the sports thing. Last night here in the States, we had the national football game go, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama end up winning. And then it showed an, uh, an alarming image of the fans, students, adults, whoever it was that jam packed the streets to celebrate, yeah. maskless, um, mm -hmm. as if in their mind, there Nothing's is no happening. COVID. It's not happening. We're just here to celebrate our team. And the amount of comments that I saw that I read this morning when I was going through um, the notes today and just seeing the video images is, is in my mind, like, when are these people going to realize it's not done? It's not, right. when are they going to get it? So I'll start with you, Amy. And just dive right in and, and the people that are listening, that are going to be listening, that are listening right now uh, to this podcast, just let them know the importance of social distancing, washing their hands, um, putting a mask on, you know, any stories that you have to bring this horrific thing that is unfortunately here in the United States, we're seeing it creep up close to 400,000 deaths. Yeah. And still people are not getting it and don't understand that it's not over. Yeah. So the first thing that I'd probably want to say, and I think that, and I think everybody feels this, we are sick and tired of COVID. That's fair. We're all exhausted. Nurses are exhausted. Physicians, you guys at home listening, we're all exhausted. We're tired of hearing about it, but unfortunately it's here and it still is happening today. And I think it's so important these measures, these public health measures aren't just, you know, something that's hairy fair. We've just pulled out of air. We know that this type of science, so um, hand washing, um, wearing a mask, that social distancing, we know that it's decreasing the, the susceptibility and the infection rate. And these simple measures, simple measures can help prevent other people from getting COVID-19. And we're also seeing within the news today that I just saw before the, the end number, so the likelihood of you infecting someone else was one. So like, if I had it, I'm most likely going to infect someone else. And that's like a one-to-one. -one, and then that person is most likely to infect another person. But now with the new variant, they're actually saying that they're concerned about that that one-to-one -one ratio might change. So we need to look at doing things that are, that are more vigorous. We need to stay home. We need to at least, at least wear a mask. Like I think at the very least, you have to think about protecting yourself mm -hmm. and other people. I think this is where I talk about like, it's the selfish game, right? So people are like, oh, you know, this is impinging on my rights, my rights, my freedom. 
no one's going to tell me. The government's not going to tell me. It's like, well, the government's not going to tell you or help you when you're laying in the bed while they're proning you, trying to keep you alive on a ventilator. They're right. not. They're they're not going to be out there to help support you for that. And really, what right is it infringing upon? If you have to go outside and wear a mask for like two seconds, they're not asking you to do this forever. This isn't a forever thing, right? I'm pretty sure that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but I really hope that, you know, with having um, these vaccines, with having new evidence coming to light, that we will see a light at the end of the tunnel. We just need to say, we, we don't know what's happening. We don't, we don't know, we don't have all the answers, but we do know that hand washing 30 seconds a minimum. So, you know, sing your happy birthday, happy birthday to yeah. you, whatever yeah. song, 30 seconds, vigorous rub will, will do it. We know that staying at least a minimum of six feet away from another person will help as well. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen those videos where someone sneezes or coughs and you see all the projectile like nastiness. Oh, yeah. We know that keeping that minimum of two feet distance will really decrease the amount of particles that you can intake into your system. So that's why we're saying the minimum of, of two feet, sorry. Sorry, six feet. Um, and the other piece is wearing a mask. So all we're asking you to do is to really cover those areas that are most effective. So one, it's to protect you, the, the wearer, from someone else, you know, giving, putting their droplets or their particles on you. And then again, if you don't know and you're asymptomatic, you might have COVID and you don't know, that will protect others. So it's really, uh, uh, I'm doing for you, you're doing for me. I'm scratching your back, you're going to scratch mine. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, Sarah, you want to add on to that? You know, I think it's more just going back to what Amy said about the individual rights versus what's best for the collective good. I think people, um, for the most part, they know what they're supposed to be doing, but they're taking these rules and they're trying to interpret them to a way that works for them. Like they're trying to justify the actions that they take. Like, oh, it's okay for me to go to this party because I know these people, I know they're staying safe. I know this, I know that. Well, we know that part of the problem with this coronavirus compared to other illnesses that have come and gone is that there's that asymptomatic period where, you know, a lot of people can walk around feeling perfectly fine, not knowing that they're carrying it. And if you go to a party and you're indoors and you're unmasked and it's um, a party where you're in close contact, you're eating and drinking, you could spread that to 75% of the people at that party. So whether mm. that be five people, 10 people, 20 people, one person's actions can affect a lot of people's lives. And I think that's what we're trying to get at is that if everybody just, if everybody doesn't do their part, then we're never going to get our heads above water. So I think it's just more about thinking of what is best for society versus what I want to do in the moment and trying to follow the rules to a T and not make an interpretation of what you think it is to make it work for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. And a lot of the times I read things in the news about, oh, you know, there's only a 1% death rate. So that means 99% of the people are fine. That's actually not what it means. A lot of people have long-term side effects from COVID. So even if you don't pass away from it, you could have neurological damage. You could have mental health issues. You could have cardiac issues. We're learning every day about what these side effects are. 
And so you're really playing Russian roulette with your health and the health of those around you. And I think also in the beginning of the pandemic, people were saying, I don't know anyone that has it. I don't think this is real. Well, we're starting to see, as you said, Marissa, 400,000 deaths. I think by this point, someone knows someone who's got COVID and mm -hmm. it really has hit both in Amy and I's families personally. Like my grandmother passed away from COVID back in April. So I can tell you that it is real. And a lot of these deaths are preventable. And sometimes I don't know what it would take to make people believe or make them follow the rules. Maybe it's going to take someone in their family who gets it or, you know, they get it themselves before they wake up and really see what's happening. Yeah, yeah, like my brother's still in the ICU today. Wow. Um, from ha like he had COVID in November from he stupidly traveled to Florida. Anyways, we won't get into that drama. Yeah. But essentially, um, he had had to be readmitted just yesterday because um his wife found him. Uh he was like stripping the sheets off of the bed. He was acting very strangely. Um, she was asking him, like, hey, like, what are you doing? And he didn't know who he was, where he was. Um, so she was like, okay, that's really bizarre. So she oh took him goodness. to the, the hospital and essentially his blood sugar levels were crazy. So my brother does not have diabetes. He's never had diabetes, never had any issues with the sugars previously. And um, one of the things that he started having after having COVID was muscle aches that never went away. So they're like, it attacked his autoimmune system. So almost like him having rheumatoid arthritis types of symptoms. And this was just like a symptom, another symptom of you know, um, having these long-term deleterious effects because we don't know. So now my brother is, it's day two of him in the ICU, but things are looking good. So at least they've given him the fluids, they've adjusted his sugars, but they're like, essentially post COVID has caused him to have diabetes. He's in his forties. He's not a, a sickly kind of guy. And, and this is the kind of stuff that we have to deal with. It's scary, right? Like he lives in Ohio and it's just like, he still sees it too. He's like, I don't think I would be able to survive getting COVID again. Mm -hmm. And it scares me that there are people out there that are just like, nah, this isn't a thing. It's scary. Let me, let me ask you this. Does he, and I've talked to people and I've had, I have family members that right now are recovering from COVID and uh, are urging people to wear a mask that this is absolutely serious. Um, is he learning a lesson from all this? Is he, I mean, there's people well, that know too that they get the COVID and everything else. And you're like, okay, well, I'm fine. You know, I have a little bit of cough. I have a little bit, you know, breathing problems, but I'm fine. But the mask, the mask stifles me. It stifles my breathing. I can't, you know, deal with all that. But now that I caught it, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the vaccine later on. You know, and they, they make all these different ifs and, and scenarios for themselves and think that they're exempt from anything else happening to them. No. And I think that's, that's the concerning part, right? So like, for, for example, my brother, and this is horrible and I'm like telling a story, but oh, well, um, he had told me like, so he lives in Ohio, him and his wife. And he was just like, Oh, you know, this is super stressful. I just need a break. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, I'm just going to travel to Florida. We're just going to stay on the beach. We're not going to interact with anybody. We're going to mind our own business. And he didn't want to tell my mom. So my mom's Jamaican. Uh, we have a West Indian background. And of course, my mom oh, was going to rip same as me. Yeah. My mom was going to rip him a new one if she had found out. West, like Indian, West Indian folks, yes. they don't be playing. I know. So he went out and then he called um, his wife. They had come back and his wife had said like, you know, she was having difficulty breathing and he didn't even want to tell my mom. So he told me, he's like, Amy, 
I got COVID. And I'm like, you better call mom and tell her yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he called and he told us. And like, even him, like he, he listens to my podcast. He, he, he listens to the science. And even him took the, t- the, the risk of traveling abroad and then had COVID. So now even he's like, no, he's like, this is real. He's like, this is bad. He's like, don't be that person. Don't be like me who was like, I need that break. I'm just going to travel anyways. I'm going to stay away. Even though he stayed away, he still ended up getting it. And now four months later, he's still dealing with the, the side effects. Wow. And like, I was worried for him yesterday when, when she called, cause I was like, did, did he have a stroke? Like, mm-hmm. like what's going on? But the fact that he pretty much had DKA, so that's diabetic ketoacidosis, he pretty much, it almost put him into a coma. So, and he's in his forties, like, this is not a joke. And we know in terms of what the evidence is saying, this, this disease affects blacks, black, the black community, Mm -hmm. indigenous people, people Mm -hmm. of color disproportionately than whites and white people, I should say, sorry, excuse my language, but, um, we have to understand that it's affecting marginalized communities much, much more. And if we don't, if we don't look out for each other, who else is going to look out for us? We need to do the right thing. We need to follow the science and we need to protect ourselves. I think that's such a good point that you just brought up. Um, and Sarah, I want you to elaborate on it. There's a lot of people and I've been getting a lot of messages from my listeners and those that uh, know me, know me for a while about their mental health. And you had brought up a point, Amy, about your, you know, your brother needing a break and that they need, they need to escape. And there's been so many people that have taken that risk to go travel, to go out of state, out of country, uh, because they need to get out of the house. They need to go back to their normal life, which we all know, all three of us here know, the normalcy that we once upon a time knew has been completely altered. And so, Sarah, I want to go there and talk about mental health because Mm -hmm. it is something that I stumbled upon uh, late last year uh, with myself, you know, dealing with being in this house for a a while, thinking that this is going to pass within, you know, two weeks, maybe a month, two months. And then here we are uh, still going through the unfortunate circumstances of COVID. Talk to the, the, the people, talk to the listeners about mental health awareness, because what advice do you have, or if any, and I know that you both have, you know, tons of stories of people that, you know, are in that, I need to get out, I need to go venture, I need to go travel, I need to uh, escape somewhere and everything else and take that risk. And either they unfortunately get COVID and, you know, by the grace of God, they recover, or unfortunately, they do not. And those that are dealing with a mental health issue, those that are dealing with, you know, I need, I don't know what to do. I need to get out of this house. I need to see my friends. I need to see my family. What advice would you share with somebody that is dealing with that? Because when I tell you that I'm getting and still getting, and that was one of the things that we had discussed before coming on here and, you know, speaking with you ladies about, about mental, mental health and mental health awareness, there are friends of mine that feel like right now, currently they're trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that, you know, I can give them an encouraging word and, you know, hopefully this will be over, you know, just continue to take care of themselves and everything else. Well, now they're at that wall. Like, I don't want to hear anymore. I need to venture out. I need to do something. So mental health needs to be talked about. It needs to be on the forefront. We can't sweep it under the rug no more, especially with everything going on. So share, if you can, um, 
just some advice, some, you know, some stories, you know, elaborate on how people that are going through that, what they can do to um, get out of that state of, of mental illness, of, of mental discouragement and mm-hmm. on that right track of going back to mental health. Well, I think first and foremost, mental health is so incredibly important. And we've been saying this all along, but it's really, um, the pandemic has really brought this, I think, to the forefront of everyone's minds. Mm -hmm. So mental health, of course, you need to recognize when you're struggling. So I think the first thing is recognizing that you're not feeling okay and letting somebody know. So it's about self-recognition or and seeking help. And I think one of the things that I do personally is just try to keep my life as normal as possible. And Um, those of you who know me, I actually used to travel quite a bit. I was quite adventurous, you know, before I had kids and especially even before the pandemic and things that I try to do are just stay connected to friends and family. So whether that be, you know, having a trivia night with friends, calling my mom on the phone because she doesn't know how to use Skype for the life of her. Um, (laughs) You know, I think it's just really about staying connected and maybe you physically can't go somewhere, but that doesn't mean you can't take the steps to keep yourself healthy. Um, I found this great uh, YouTube channel that I do Pilates on whenever I get a chance. So that might be every two to three days, although I would like it to be every day. Um, And I think that it's also important to know what resources are that work for an employer have um, something called employee assistance program. So that's something that's covered by your employer already that you could reach out to a counselor, um, you know, over the phone or by doing a video chat and just talk to someone about what you're feeling, a trained professional that's impartial that can really give you some good advice. And I personally have used this before um, for things that I was struggling with in terms of stress at the workplace. But I think that right now in this time, it's also important to make sure you do that. And just know that there's no stigma around mental health. So I think the other thing is that a lot of people still feel shame about needing to get help. They feel like they're weak, they can't handle this. I think it's actually a sign of strength that you're able to recognize that you're struggling mentally and seek the help that you need. So I think I that's also that. important, you know? And if you see someone around you struggling, don't be afraid to reach out to them and say, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? I noticed that you're seeming a bit different lately and just open that conversation for them to share with you what they're feeling. So I think that's really important. And as nurses, um, we're notorious for not taking care of ourselves. And this may be true for other professions as well. So I think it's important just to know that you need to prioritize yourself. Make You can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's really important for us to recognize. Um, I also wanted to just touch quickly upon um, making sure that if you are struggling, that you seek the help of a professional. So if you're not able to access employee assistance program, that you reach out to your physician or whoever, you know, provides you with medical care and just let them know what's happening. I think that's such great advice. And I think that is very important self, self-care it is so important, especially if you're a parent, like both of you all are, are mothers. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask this because I got uh, mothers and or fathers or guardians that are listening um, that, uh, you know, this unfortunate thing with the pandemic and, you know, certain schools are not open and the kids are home more than often of how you both are handling uh, as fabulous mothers Bless you all. I do not have children, so I commend every single parent that is doing homeschooling and having their their kiddos be home with them more often. 
how are you both adjusting to your kids being at home, school and that sort of thing and um, making sure that the kids, because you know how kids are, they're going, okay, mom, dad, when is this going to end? When am I going to go back to school? When can I go outside and play? When can I go visit my friends down the street? You know, when, 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 why, why, why? You know, they're asking those tons of questions. So what are you both doing? Uh, and Sarah, I'll start with you. What are you both doing uh, to make sure that you're keeping your kids active, but keeping them also safe? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question because my kids are only three and five. So if you think mm -hmm. about it now, a whole year has passed. They were two and four when this started. So whether this is good or bad, I feel like they don't know any different at this point because they're so young mm -hmm. that they think that this is how it's always been, that everybody wears a mask, that we don't play with random people on the street, that you know you don't always go to school. So I think for them, it actually hasn't been too, too bad. I think for me in terms of trying to keep a sense of normalcy for them. We do a lot of outdoor things as much as possible. Um, they're, they're too young really to do things like Zoom calls. Like they, they don't really get that. But in the summertime when we were able to, we did a lot of outside park dates. Um, you know, we saw people when we could. I noticed that even my son's class, they're talking a lot about the coronavirus and his teacher invited each one of them to ask a question and he answered it in a way that they could understand. So I think that there isn't that sense of um, fear, I guess, because of their age. Mm -hmm. But I feel sad because there are so many things that we used to do that we don't do anymore. And I think they've even forgotten some of the fun things that we do because it's been so long. Um, and just in terms of trying to work at home and parent, I think that's been my biggest struggle personally. My husband and I are working from home. We have two kids. We don't, I mean, right now my daughter's in daycare, but for four solid months, we didn't have help. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think we drank a lot of wine in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> all of my, all of my mom friends, we were doing the same thing. A couple of times we got together in one of their backyards, you know, of course, six feet apart mm -hmm. and just drank the night away because we really needed that. Um, so I think it's important for any parent to sort of find their tribe so to speak, and just find someone that can relate to what you're going through, offer each other advice. I think one thing for me mentally at the beginning of the pandemic was that I read an article that this was going to be 18 to 24 months long. Mm. When I read that, I was dumbfounded. But now we are almost a year into this, and I actually believe that to be true. So for me, I like knowing what the timeline is going to be. And I know with this, it's so hard to predict, but me just mentally knowing that I think helps me a lot with when this is quote unquote going to end yeah there is a light at the end of the tunnel um and we'll get there it's just a matter of how are we going to get there and mm -hmm. are we going to be intact at the end yeah that's so true yeah and i think for me like i'll just say like the struggle is real <laughs> like, <laughs> with my twin boys they're just and they are like if sarah knows my boys are they energetic are energy i'm like mm -hmm. i'm like <laughs> so like yeah in terms of the schooling the homeschooling that that has been a challenge and and I think what I'd like to say to like my moms and my dads out there um or guardians too just you know don't be so hard on yourself like you know yeah you maybe you missed that submission deadline or you know they were supposed to be in art class and you haven't logged in on time or whatever mm -hmm. just do the best that you can you are a good parent you're doing you're doing you're doing what you can for your families and your 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 children and and just just take a deep breath because that that's all i could do i'm just like you know what 
all right, so we missed art. We'll do art later. Yeah, that's all you or, can do. You know, yeah. yeah, just like, you know, and then just like, you know, I, I think sometimes they're on the screen too much. And I think that makes them a little bit more antsy too. Mm-hmm. So I've actually reached out to some of the teachers and said, hey, can we, uh, can you send me some of the work ahead of time so I can actually do some of it with them? And we just try to be a little bit inventive. So right now my boys are learning about fractions. So as opposed to just sitting in front of a, co- a computer being like, okay, you know, here's the work. I'm like, okay, let's cut up this banana. Mm-hmm. So I have the time to do with breakfast it's like okay so look we've cut the the toast into two just trying to you know be inventive and then just not being so hard on myself because I'll be honest my husband's taken um on the huge task of doing the schooling especially I do have a son that has special needs that has autism Mm -hmm. and he's taken on that work and he's been amazing and you know what all, all I can do at the end of the day is be thankful for the support that I have and just to say you know what I'm doing my best and and that's all it can be and, and not to be so hard on myself. And yes, indulge in that extra glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap wine is good too, whatever, whatever works. That Just so, do it. That's what Sarah said, and lots and lots of wine. That's yes. what we and, and podcasting while drinking wine. Yes. yes. <laughs> speaking of podcasts, I want to talk about y'all's brilliant podcast and how you both started how you both came up with the idea of it um the gritty <laughs> nurse podcast i'll say it again the gritty nurse podcast one more time the gritty nurse podcast it is an amazing podcast where you both have you either are both talking and you just have a, a conversation between each other or you have some phenomenal guests on and y'all go there i i absolutely believe that this is one of the most important podcasts that are out there so tell the listeners how you both uh, started this podcast, uh, your journey of it, and why uh, did you both want to uh, do this podcast and, and the story behind it? All right. So maybe I'll start. So um, Sarah and I both have worked together. Um, we've worked together um, in previous different uh, roles, when, whether it was advanced practice nursing or uh, being Sarah, being a clinical nurse specialist. And we actually had um, a really difficult time where we were bullied and had harassment at work. And we just were like, enough's enough. We need to have a forum where we talk about these things, where we're real about it. Lots of nurses used to come to us and say, you know, con- well, they would confide in us and tell us kind of how they were feeling. And we'd be say, hey, you know, go to your leadership team. And they're like, nobody's listening to us. And we're just like, you know what? We're done. <laughs> we're, done. we're done being silent. We're done, you know, um, not being able to have our voice, have our agency, and we're going to tell it how it is. And it just kind of evolved from there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so just great. to add to that, Amy was the one that asked me to do a podcast with her. So prior to this, I had never listened to podcasts before. Um, you can probably tell Amy and I have very different personalities, and I think that's why it works with us. Like Amy's got the energy. She's got the personality. She's so good at connecting people. I'm more of the planner, the logistics. You know, I like to sort of take that aspect on. And so for us, um, our podcast is not so much education. As you said, we're not here to tell you how to take, take care of the patients or like, let's say like, you know, take their blood pressure or what do these lab values mean? We're all about nursing culture Mm -hmm. and sort of the meat behind why we do what we do and how we can help people who are in the profession become better nurses. And, um, you know, we always want to amplify the voices of women of color. We want to talk about diversity, inclusion, mental health, that kind of thing, and especially bullying and incivility, because ultimately it's so rampant in nursing. I'm not sure about other industries, but it is really, um, 
a key reason behind why I left my previous job was that I just didn't feel the support from my team. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to talk about these issues and it sort of evolved. So it became at first a little bullying, but then we've been taking on bigger and bigger issues. And we also realized that not all of our nurses are, not all of our listeners are nurses. We've got other healthcare professionals. We've got people like you, Marissa. We've got um, the media following us now. And so we really wanna use our, um, our credentials for good and just make sure that we're able to spread our message and let people know what we're all about. And, you know, we're always available if anybody wants to reach out to us with an idea for a topic or if they want to be on a guest on our podcast, let us know because we're always open to new and innovative ideas. I think that's so important too for myself. Like I said, I'm not in the healthcare, you know, I don't have a healthcare background. I'm not a nurse, not a doctor, but I am a person that wants to learn. And I think that what you both bring to the table, you know, your experience and, and how long you've been in uh, registered nurses and everything else, but you all have seen this firsthand of just so many things, so many patients that you've seen. Um, what I wanted to ask both of you all uh, before we end all this is uh, share a story of, and I'm sure you got a ton of them, but share a story with, uh, with the listeners of how you both, I wanna, I wanna, I'm thinking about how I wanna phrase this, um, how a person or a patient that you have met that uh, positively impacted your life, that oh, you, you have never- a good question. That you have never, <laughs> ever, ever forgotten, uh, you know, you never forgot about them or anything, but how did they make a huge positive impact in your life? And I'll, Start with, uh, go ahead, Amy, I'll start with you. Oh, man. <laughs> so it could be a positive story. It could be a negative story. Either one. Either or. They okay. make an impact in your life. Yes, ma'am. All right. So one of the things that, so I, I don't think I actually mentioned this at the beginning. So my expertise is in maternal child. So I worked a lot in obstetrics as a labor and delivery nurse mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, working in labor and delivery, it can be the best time in someone's life. And it also can be the worst time in someone's life. And you're sharing those moments. You're like, you're sharing those moments, whether, um, they're positive or they're negative. So I remember actually, I was actually a newer nurse. I was a new grad and I had, um, had gone in to see this patient where first the, th the first thing we always do is we ask them like, you know, how are things going? Is the baby moving? Like, what is your concern? Why are you here today? And she told me like, oh, the baby's not moving very well. So I was kind of like, all right, so let's get you on the monitor. And of course you, you probably know where this is going. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was trying to hook her up on the monitor, getting the jelly everywhere. And I couldn't find the heart rate. So I was just like, oh my God, how do I like, how, like I'm new. I don't, I don't have a lot of experience. How do I break this type of news? And um, I could tell that the patient knew what was going, to, like what was happening just, just by the fact that I couldn't find the baby. If you've ever had kids before, you kind of have, you get a sense of, you know, when you're going for your ultrasounds, how quickly nurses will find uh, the heart rate. And I could see that kind of like, sense of impending doom. So I kind of, I took it upon myself to be that person, to be with her through every step of the way and not just with her, but with her partner, because we can't forget that there are two people that, that are a part of this journey. Mm -hmm. So when the doctor did come in and did um, let her know that her baby had passed on, um, I'll never forget the scream that she, she let out and um, that day. 
and I felt that it was just important for me to be there and to be in the moment. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything, but I just stayed there. And it didn't matter what she, I, I think she was actually holding my arm at the time mm-hmm. and she was squeezing it so tightly. And I just remember just like, I just need to be here. There's no words. There's no explanation. I can't, you know, like saying I'm sorry is not going to be helpful. Um, but just knowing how important it is to be in the moment with patients. I, I, will, I will take that with me wherever I go, whatever job I do. I know when someone is going through something that is, that's not your experience, mm-hmm. but just being there and being able to be in the moment with that person mm-hmm. is super important. And I think, although through her pain, I was able to help her in a, in a different way, I guess just be being able to be there for her and to let her express her emotion any way that she needed to, whether it would be screaming, whether it'd be holding me tightly, whether it'd be crying. Cause I stayed with her th- through the whole three days. So I asked, I was like, can I have some continuity of care? That's another thing that's really important. So having the same nurse dealing with that patient, as opposed to me transferring it to another uh, nurse. Yeah. Um, I made sure that I was the person that stayed with her that entire time and followed up with her and her last words as she was leaving was, you know, thank you so much for just, you didn't have, you didn't say anything, but that's all I needed. I just needed to, to have someone bear witness to my pain. Mm-hmm. And I think um, she taught me so much that day about what it is like and what, what patients might want if they are going through a loss like that. So yeah. Yeah. You were that her was something that definitely stick, stuck with me and has stuck with me today. You were definitely her rock. Did you at any time, Amy, like once you got by yourself and all of that transpired, where was your emotional level at? Probably like sky high. And this is the other thing. So I think people think that nurses can't be emotional, can't, can't show, show, can't cry, like can't do those different, those types of things. And one of the things that I did do is I cried with her. Like I didn't like start weeping, just like, you know, like over her, but I showed her that I'm human too. And then I feel, I felt horrible. So after all was said and done, one of the things that doesn't happen enough is something called debriefing. So that's when, you know, you get together with your interprofessional team and you talk about the situation. Luckily, I was able to have some really great nurses that I still talk to, to, to this day that mentored me and said, Hey, Amy, like, this is how we're going to do this. And, and, and you need, you can reach out to us whenever you need. And, um, I'm glad that I had them to help mentor me because I think it could break people's careers. Like it's not, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And um, I found that not, not, not that I would say that I find joy in looking after some, a patient like that, but I definitely take pride if I have a patient like that to make sure that I give them my full and absolute attention and make sure that they get what they need, because it is definitely a time in someone's life where they're experiencing probably the lowest low that they ever had. So I'm glad I had the sport that I did. Girl, that's why I call you a Shiro. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and share a story uh, of, of what you've gone through, what you've experienced, Sarah. Well, I don't know if I can top that. That was pretty oh. inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking back to my days as a postpartum nurse. And um, so this is where the mothers would go right after giving birth um, until they were ready to go home with their babies. And we actually had a mom who was diagnosed with liver cancer while she was pregnant. So um, she came from a country where hepatitis is quite common. And mm. hepatitis is often a risk factor for developing liver cancer later in life. And so she found out that she had liver cancer while she was pregnant. 
um, but she wanted to carry the pregnancy to term. So by the time she gave birth, she was in end stage um, liver cancer. And so essentially, um, she passed away, I think, two or three days after giving birth. And so her husband was a widower and had this new baby to look after. And he asked um, the hospital, like, if they could just look after the baby for a bit while he dealt with the funeral arrangements and his grief and just sorting a lot of things out. And so this baby ended up staying on the unit for a whole month, um, just wow. at the nurse's station. And, you know, all of us were kind of like his mothers. We kind of took on that role because um, the baby's father was grieving. Um, he didn't have any family nearby. He'd never looked after a baby before. So it mm. was just a really shocking time for him. And um, a few of us ended up being that baby's primary nurse. So as Amy was saying, you get assigned several regular nurses just for continuity of care and for building that bond with the baby. And I think we we overmothered this baby a little bit to the point where sometimes when you give babies too many baths or you wash their hair too much, they start getting cradle cap, which is mm -hmm. where the skin starts to flake off. So we actually had to put up a sign that said, please don't bathe this baby every day. This is the schedule you need to follow because he was getting such a bad case of cradle cap. And I guess, um, long story short, by the end of that month, when the baby was ready to go home, we were all so happy, but so sad at the same time that we wouldn't get to see him anymore. But the father was so grateful to us. He said, you know, you really gave me that chance to grieve and get my life back together. You looked after my son. You taught me how to look after my son. And he would still come back to the unit once a year on that baby's birthday. I think this child might be 10 now, but mm -hmm. I think that it just really shows what an impact nursing can have on someone's life and that they will forever remember us and will mm -hmm. forever remember the baby and you know that whole family too so That's nursing beautiful. is great it's great because you could be part of someone's worst and best day of their life and mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you can say that about too many other professions no, and that's that's why at the beginning of the show I called you both sheroes I called you warriors uh, you're both amazing what you do, what you brought to the table, what you brought today to the show. So many valuable, priceless gems uh, that you both shared. And I hope that, you know, people that are listening today took something from this, took a lot from this. Uh, I certainly have. And I'm so thankful that you both came on today. Please share uh, either Amy or Sarah where uh, people can connect with both you all on your social media platforms? Um, well, the easiest place to find us is just go to grittynurse.com. That's our homepage. If you listen to podcasts regularly, you can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. And you can also follow us along on our social media. So we're pretty active on Twitter. We also have Facebook and Instagram. If you want to know what we're up to or what episodes are coming, um, we release every week on Thursdays. They're worth a follow, y'all. They are absolutely oh, worth the follow. I am so serious. Y'all are worth the follow for <laughs> sure. And I hope that they do. But let me ask one more question. I want to ask this for both of y'all. And Amy, I will start. What is your hope for 2021? Ooh, got it. My hope is connectedness. I think that is the biggest thing that we can talk about globally, internationally, I think we've, we've seen the severance of various different, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, we've seen 
so much separation in this world. I think we just need to get back to knowing how to connect with people. It's hard to connect with people through this pandemic because we are asking people to socially distance and to, to kind of keep, you know, um, to not make those unnecessary types of travel. But my hope is that we can find another level where we can regain that connectedness. I think that would be my hope for 2021. That's awesome. Sarah, what is your hope for 2021? I think I'm on the similar lines as Amy. I think we really need to work on uniting as one versus division, focusing on what we have in common instead of differences. It's going to be really important for us to do this because we're at a really trying time right now, I think, in society. Um, and just even historically, we've never been through this before. The last time something of this scale happened was 100 years ago with the Spanish flu. And I think about how far we've come in terms of science and all the tools we have available to us. But if we can't agree on what needs to be done and what needs to be done properly, then we might as well just go back 100 years. So yeah. I think it's just about that, but also staying positive and knowing that like I said, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we will get there. It just depends on how fast we can get there. Oh, that is so perfect. Gosh, I wish we had another hour. I would love to talk to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this again. Don't worry. All right, we're here. I'm going to do it again. Got to jump on y'all's podcast next time. Yes, for yes. sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for absolutely for sure. Oh, thank you so much, Amy, Sarah, Gritty Nurse Podcast. Y'all get on that, please, please, please. You will learn a lot. I've learned a lot, hopefully. You have taken away some valuable things and information away from these brilliant ladies, these sheroes, these rock stars. Every kind of positive word that I can think of that's not coming to my head right now is how I will summarize these, these fantastic ladies and what they're doing. Amy, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the Heard That podcast today. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And as I always end the show, all you wonderful, amazing listeners, have a happy new year, a healthy you year. Take care, stay safe. Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast, on Twitter at Lovely Marisa T, as well as Facebook on a social media page, Heard That With Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support. Thank you.